0: So Mark, Yes. in this week's film, the lead character played by Arnold Schwarzenegger gets into a fight at a police station. He emerges from this fight with something a little surprising.
1: I mean, besides the fact that he emerges at all.
0: He emerges with a haircut.
1: Yes, very even, very smooth haircut.
0: Right, he walked in with bangs and he comes out with this aggressive, straight haircut. So what I want to know from you is... It could be one from this movie or one from another movie we've talked about. If you could have any haircut from a movie we've talked about, but the price is you have to get into a fight, what haircut is it?
1: I mean, Ginger's hair in this movie is fantastic. It's
0: amazing. And the thing that we got to remember is Ginger doesn't go out. That's her doing her hair to stay in and have sex with her boyfriend.
1: No, I think they're getting ready to go out. So we just see her after she gets home, I guess. Maybe. She put some effort into it. Because there's a scene where the two of them are putting effort into their hair in the bathroom at the same time.
0: Yeah. Maybe they were supposed to double date, but once Sarah's date cancels and then Sarah leaves, they're like, well, we can just stay in and bone. Yeah. So
1: her hair would fight for. I don't know how you get curlier hair and longer hair after a fight, but movie magic. Somebody
0: pulls it while you're in the fight and that lengthens it. And all of a sudden, my hair is curly. Well, because it tries to spring back into position.
1: Actually, there's a good chance her hair is not naturally curly either. That is some very permed hair. A little bit. What is your ideal haircut? Well, I
0: think if I'm going from this movie, at the very beginning of the movie, Schwarzenegger shows up and he meets these, like, weird punks. And you remember the dude with, like, the blue spiky mohawk? Yeah. I feel like that's a good post-fight hairdo because it's like, again, somebody was pulling on your hair and it just stuck out wherever they pulled it. Now,
1: we shouldn't forget to talk about our favorite hair gag in a movie, something that might be interesting to have. Howard the Duck's feathers on his head raised to indicate that he is horny.
0: Oh, that's true!
1: (laughs) Would you fight for this Howard hair?
0: Oof. Um, on the one hand, Leah Thompson? Yeah. Attractive woman. Yes. And presumably that's still the cause. On the other hand, Howard's a weird-looking dude. And I don't know that I want that. That's also, like, much more prominent than, like, having an erection that you're trying to hide in your pants. Yeah. That's, like, everyone can see, which is probably why Howard wears a hat so much of the time.
1: Mm, That is a good point, because getting a random boner in public... It's uncomfortable enough when people can't tell. Yeah, that visible would be tough.
0: So I think that's not one that you want to fight for.
1: Exactly. It might be a little too public of a private thing.
0: Mm, Well said.
1: We just haven't brought him up in a while... And you know, as much as I hate it, I've been missing the duck talk. I didn't think of that exclusively because we have a giant poster of Howard the Duck on our wall right next to us right now.
0: It's from our 100th episode party.
1: I know. I was hoping it would be gone by now, but there he is reading his rolling egg magazine.
0: Yeah, Beverly Sizzles. Beverly Sizzles.
1: Why is she on the magazine in alternate duck world?
0: Great question. She is also pointedly not famous in the movie.
1: I mean, maybe it's post that, and somehow they've re-established connections to Duck World, but that defeats the purpose of Howard the Duck.
0: Right. So... I feel like you're saying the ad campaign for this movie makes as much sense as the movie.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Remember the part where there's the duck hunting convention, and they have to, like, hang glide over it?
1: Yeah, remember the part where that whole movie exists?
0: Yeah. Ugh,
1: gross. I'm so glad we don't own the movie. The poster's bad enough. I've
0: come so close so many times.
1: I am not surprised. It's $5 for the Blu-ray. Don't do it. I haven't yet. I... I hope you continue down this path.
0: Now, alternatively, we could get a Laserdisc player, and we could play Howard the nope. Duck on Laserdisc. <laughs> Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm Gay, And, and I'm, I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This is a podcast dedicated to investigating the most important things going on in our day and the far future of 2029. Very- Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Or even likable it doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one scene flirtation or a weird time travel thing we're gonna dig in and see what's there we can't stop we won't stop the future may not be set but our mission is so we're gonna keep going till we find an answer and this week our investigation takes us once again for the third time to the work of james cameron this time with one of his very first movies 1984's the terminator
1: this movie is so different than i expected Based on what I'd heard about it and T2, That's like the, thing the is,
0: legacy of T2. I think Terminator 2 so colors our perceptions of this franchise that Terminator 1 feels really strange. Terminator 1 almost doesn't
1: exist in our modern conception of this franchise.
0: Except for I'll Be Back.
1: Which, a boring line in the context of the film.
0: And one that Schwarzenegger tried to change. Like, I'll Be Back in context is a joke. Right. Like, we know that the robot so rarely chooses to speak, and so the fact that he does when the cop is like, no, you can't talk to her right now, is weird and kind of funny, and then he immediately comes in with the car. Schwarzenegger tried to change it because he had trouble pronouncing the word aisle, and he argued to James Cameron, I don't think the robot would use contractions.
1: Yeah, the line is not dramatic in any way. It's, you know, fun because he immediately crashes a car into the building.
0: Right, so it's weird that it became so iconic.
1: Yeah, you picture it like in Fairly Odd Parents, where the joking reference to it follows that lineup with with weapons, which he already has in Terminator.
0: Indeed, many of them. <laughs> so many weapons. The Terminator, low-key a testament to the fact that we need to make it harder to buy guns in America.
1: It was it's so easy for him to just load that gun and kill the guy and
0: to buy so many guns
1: well yeah i guess he would have rung him up for all those guns he was about to buy so many guns at once and be able to pay for them and walk out no money so he couldn't pay for them them. but he was able to just reach onto the counter and pull out a bullet and put it in the gun because they were just right there is that real Do gunshots not have their bullets locked up too? Because that is a fatal flaw.
0: Well, he was buying bullets, right?
1: I guess. I don't know. You'd think this would happen more. Like armed robbery of the store.
0: You don't even have to come in with a gun. I mean, we don't want to go back to giving advice to criminals like we did a few weeks ago with Mora. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But so we're talking about the Terminator this week, which as much as T2 kind of overshadows it, this too like has a huge impact on the way movies are made after it. It's just such clean, minimalist action, but almost like monster movie storytelling. It's so
1: influenced by horror that it is essentially a horror movie. It's like watching Halloween. Exactly. The monster just stalking them through the factory at the end is much more of a vampire Frankenstein's monster dealio than a
0: robot. Right, and the thing that you can't kill that just keeps coming back.
1: He's essentially a mummy, the way they film it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, the dragging leg, that was because of the limitations of their animation. So that final Terminator is a stop motion robot. Yes. And for whatever reason, the way they had it going, they couldn't get it to move both legs. So they needed one to be kind of dragging. But that makes it look creepier. It does, because he has been through a lot. And you can feel that tactile, like, there is a real robot there. It doesn't move right, but that's part of what's creepy about it.
1: It's definitely stop motion, though.
0: Oh, yeah. The special effects for this movie were done by Stan Winston, who was mostly in TV at the time, but went on to do effects for things like Predator, Edward Scissorhands, and the Jurassic Park trilogy. So he's a legend in that sense, especially for his Jurassic Park work.
1: Yeah, definitely improved.
0: Sure, but the technology improved too.
1: That's true. I watched this movie long ago, and then seeing the stop motion monster, I was just like, "Oh, I guess we're not that far removed from like the Cyclops and the Hercules movies." Yeah. It's not that, that many. That movie years. is closer
0: to Hercules than it is to today.
1: Yeah, so it makes sense that it improves, and it improves a lot between 1 and 2, too. Absolutely. That is an Which air- is
0: just 7 years.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's an era of very rapid improvement and effects.
0: So Terminator is James Cameron's second movie. His first one is Piranha 2 (laughs) The Spawning, a movie that by all accounts was miserable for everyone involved, including James Cameron, which is different from most James Cameron movies where it's miserable for everyone except him.
1: That movie sounds insane.
0: I've never seen it.
1: I don't think anyone has.
0: But during the hellish production of Piranha 2 The Spawning, the story goes Cameron had... A stress dream, basically, where he was being chased by a metallic torso that was using kitchen knives to drag itself along the floor. So then Cameron, when he woke up, started doodling it and working on a story idea.
1: Yikes. That sounds like a terrifying dream. It sounds like a horrifying
0: dream. You can see where this came from out of that dream, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, so then he starts shopping the idea around. At one point, his agent told him it was a bad idea, so Cameron fired his agent. And he teams up with Gail Ann Hurd. And he sells her the rights to the Terminator for a dollar on the condition that he's the one to direct it. Now, here we get into the weeds where they very much disagree about how much influence Heard had on the script. She says she basically co-wrote it. Cameron says she didn't actually write anything. She just gave him some ideas, like beefing up the romance a little bit to make the characters seem more human. Like at one point, Cameron wanted Kyle Reese to also be a robot. And she's like, you gotta have some humans in here, something people can connect to. How would that lead to John Connor, then? Great question. I think that's something that came along. So if you pay attention, the script is credited to James Cameron with Gale and Hurd. So it's a weird thing. Yeah. There's also a credit on the home video release of, like, with appreciation to the works of Harlan Ellison, something like that, because Harlan Ellison sued the production company saying that it was based on an Outer Limits episode he'd written called The Soldier. Cameron obviously disputes this and has taken issue with the fact that the settlement involves Ellison getting credit on the movie.
1: Much easier to just give the credit, though, honestly.
0: Sure. And, like, Cameron is a guy who really likes that written and directed by thing. (laughs) Clearly. So you can see where this is coming in. But it's also, like, this movie is a very simple plot. Like, once you put, like, a robot and time travel in there, there's not a whole lot else going on.
1: No, the idea of having your name being systematically hunted down from the phone book is... That's an awesome idea. Terrifying. That's
0: such a cool idea and from such a specific block of time.
1: But the actual plot is so easy to sum up. Yeah, the movie's very, very simple, but it's part of why it works. Exactly. The simplicity of the plot really allows the slow pacing that creates the terror. The Terminator never moves that fast.
0: No, he doesn't need to because
1: he can't be stopped. Exactly. He is impervious to everything except crushers.
0: He's this force of nature, and so it doesn't matter what speed he's going at. He's gonna get there eventually.
1: Yeah, he's definitely got patience. They programmed that in well.
0: It's like... Your fate coming for you. You can't avoid it. Exactly. Your dark fate. I don't... The title of the Terminator movie that opened this past Friday.
1: Uh, oh yes, that movie that's come out that we're watching. Indeed, we have seen it. Yes, that is why this episode is coming out around this time too, as I remember when we decided to record it. It's also continuing our creepy
0: run with Gaslight and Hereditary. Horror film, October. Spooky, it's November now, but for... Okay. Time is hard. That's what this movie is all about. It is. This
1: movie, this simplicity also allows the time travel to kind of work.
0: Yeah, you don't need to know how it works. They promise you that it won't happen again because they destroyed the time platform. Sure, we all know how that works out. In this movie, it only happens the two times. It does, but sequels exist. Sure, but our future's not set, so every time you change the timeline, you've changed the timeline. Exactly,
1: but it's a very small circle that happens. In that the robot comes back, which causes Kyle to come back, which causes the, like, birth of John Connor,
0: which then... Triggers (laughs) the resistance. Triggers the resistance that sends Kyle back. It's a very small loop. And what T2 establishes is that the final fight takes place in a Cyberdyne factory, and that's where the company gets the technology that they use to eventually build the Terminators. Oh, I forgot about that part. T2 rules. But also don't forget while we're talking about the time of all this, in 10 years... We will be living in John Connor's future. Exactly. Skylab, all that, coming soon. Skylab does exist. You're thinking of Skynet. Skynet, yes. The
1: same thing? We'll see. No. (laughs) We'll see. Skylab Skylab exists!
0: You can't prove it won't turn into Skynet, Will. All right. Anyway. What did you think of John Connor's future? So many skulls. The skulls! I love that aesthetic. I assume it was an artistic choice by the robots.
1: There's an unreasonable amount of skulls. Skulls everywhere. There's no other bones.
0: No, it's just skulls. Which
1: means that the robots have just decapitated the bodies, left them. It's only been about 30 years. This is a few hundred years worth of decomposition.
0: Yeah, because Judgment Day is like 1999, I think. Yeah. So it's 20 years after Judgment Day.
1: And these skulls look like they've been sitting out forever?
0: Alternatively, have you considered that, for the robots, the bones are their money, <laughs> so, so they, need them they just be- leave the skulls. They don't need those. It's the other bones. But they have to strip all the flesh off first to get to the bones. Exactly. What if I gave you a dollar bill covered in flesh? Would you accept that? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Unless you can still read the legal currency part, because then you're required. Probably not, because it's encased in flesh, just like bones. There's
1: just so many skulls. There are so many
0: skulls. I love every time they show, like, a tank rolling over all the skulls. You can put other bones, and it's just as creepy. But part of the thing is you can feel the small budget of this project.
1: Exactly. The
0: movie's made for $6.8 million, and... That's in part why the future stuff is often, like, shot from behind walls, like, just looking at one or two things. Cameron had this idea for the robot, and part of the reason he made the movie he did was because he's like, well, you make a robot, that's a future movie, but I can't afford to make a future movie, so we need time travel.
1: Makes sense. It's a good solution.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we've got Gail Enhurt involved. She advocates for things like beefing up the love story and needing a human involved. But now they need more financing for the movie, so they're talking to different producers. And Cameron's trying to get people invested, so he brings in his friend Lance Henriksen, who played the lead in Piranha 2. And he also plays, like, the skinny white cop in this movie. Okay. And he has Lance Henriksen dress up as the Terminator. Wearing a leather jacket, he has like fake scars on his face and covers his teeth in aluminum foil. And ahead of Cameron's meeting, he has Henriksen dressed as a Terminator, kick the door open, sit down in the room, and just act as the Terminator. Cameron shows up after that, dismisses Henriksen, and starts his meeting.
1: What a power move.
0: But he doesn't have any power, it's just a weird move. He's the director of Piranha 2.
1: But it is a move that establishes him with power. Sure. I don't remember what this guy- this guy in the movie at all
0: he's at the police station
1: i guess all the pictures of him on wikipedia are very old
0: sure so they start getting that underway cameron wants to cast Henrikson as the terminator and they're like absolutely not we have no idea who this is so then orion the studio that is financing the movie they suggest arnold schwarzenegger as kyle reese okay which would be weird <laughs>
1: Glad they didn't do that.
0: So Cameron said no in part because then you need someone even bigger than Schwarzenegger to be the Terminator to make him intimidating. Doesn't really exist. Exactly. Unless you're going to go like the NBA route, but it's not big in the same way. Yeah, because you need the
1: bodybuilder element of it too.
0: Right. It's just that he's massive. It contributes so much to that unstoppable element of the Terminator. He's bigger than a human should be. Exactly. So at different points, Sylvester Stallone and Mel Gibson were both offered the Terminator role and turned it down. The best anecdote that exists about this is that Orion suggested O.J. Simpson as the Terminator. He's the Hertz guy. He's getting his acting career going. Uh, and Cameron turned him down because Cameron did not believe O.J. could convincingly play a killer. Oof. I have heard
1: that and it is so grimly funny.
0: It is. I mean, it makes sense at the time.
1: Definitely. It reads well. He was very genial.
0: He's the Hurts guy. Yeah. He's running. He runs. So then Cameron agrees to take the meeting with Schwarzenegger, but he's, like, determined not to cast him, and he's, like, planning to tank the meeting by, like, precipitating a fight with him. Not a physical fight, but a verbal (laughs) fight. (laughs) That would be a bad decision. But what hairdo would he get?
1: I... I'm going to go with Linda Hamilton's tall curls.
0: That would be a huge improvement for James Cameron, who has pretty mediocre hair.
1: There's not a lot of men in Hollywood where you say they have good hair.
0: That's true. I like J.J. Abrams' hair. I think it's got weird character.
1: I mean, there's always The weekend.
0: <laughs> this is true.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot what his hair looks like. It's very unique.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, they sit down in the meeting, and they actually get along pretty well. And Schwarzenegger comes in, and he's like, I really want to play this character, but by the way, like these are all the things that you should do for whoever plays the robot. He's got tons of ideas. And so during the meeting, Cameron starts sketching Arnold as the Terminator, and he comes out being like, this is our guy.
1: He is a great choice. He's so good. I don't know why Cameron was so resistant, honestly.
0: And the accent winds up working pretty well, because he sounds kind of like a robot?
1: Yeah, he is struggling with his words, because he doesn't speak much, because he is a robot.
0: Yeah, and he only has... Like 70-some words of dialogue or something like that. Yeah. Like words, not lines.
1: Yeah. There's not a lot of discussion.
0: There's not with a lot of talking man. in the movie at all.
1: Yeah. It's very looks focused. Yeah. I can't believe they go to a bar called Tech Noir. Technoir. Technoir! So what I love on the nose. Is
0: in at least two different places in that bar, enormous letters are flashing just Tech Noir. The punks are
1: so in at this time, too. I mean, those punks
0: at the beginning are incredible.
1: It looks exactly like Howard the Duck punks.
0: That's exactly what they look like. It's possible this influenced Howard the Duck, which is two years later. Yeah, I'd buy it. Because the movie is a surprise hit. People expected it to be a disaster. Comes out October 26, 1984. Opens at number one with like $6 million because the box office is smaller than Exactly. And it ultimately makes $38 million on its six and change million budget, which is seen as like... A surprise hit.
1: Yeah, that's... I'd say that's, like, a healthy hit.
0: It is, yeah. And its reputation only grows with, like, the rise of home video and being replayed on cable. So that by the time T2 comes around, it's, like, a bona fide cultural juggernaut. And T2 also hits that same, like, Batman Jurassic Park window where toys play a big role in blowing up something's profile.
1: And T2 is also just a great movie. T2
0: rules!
1: I think T2 is probably the best Terminator movie.
0: I have only seen Terminator and Terminator 2.
1: I as well.
0: And of those two, I would say Terminator 2 is better. Exactly. This movie's great. T2 is next level. Yeah.
1: And I mean, the thing is, it's also kind of weird comparing them because they're so different.
0: Oh, completely. I mean, this is, like we said, a monster movie. T2 is an action movie. Like there's a chase scene on the LA river. We've got the T-1000 chasing John Connor through the arcade. We got a much
1: more like empowered lead in Sarah.
0: Yeah. Because she like turns into a commando.
1: Yeah. Doesn't the movie, like, open with her doing shirtless pull-ups?
0: Yeah, but that's when she has, like, she's having the visions of Judgment Day.
1: Yeah, which, does she even live to... S- well, I don't know. We'll see what happens in Dark Fate. Because Dark Fate! It is now 20 years past Judgment Day,
0: as originally written. Yeah.
1: It looks like the movie is set in 2018 or 19.
0: But also, like, I know the later movies mess with the timeline. Like, I think they must have. Genesis does, like, the mission to get the time platform where they have, I think, Jason Clark is John Connor and, like, Jai Courtney is Kyle Reese. (laughs) And they have, like, the discussion about, like, all right, who's going to go back? So, they've definitely been playing around in that. I think Salvation is doing weird stuff.
1: I assume there's been a lot of changes, but I also hope that they realize that a lot of people might see this one and not the past one. So, hopefully, they make it very clear.
0: Yeah, Linda Hamilton is back. James Cameron is producing, which is the first time he's been involved in one since T2.
1: Yeah. They know what will draw people back, I think. Oh, and Cameron's is...
0: name is large in the trailer. Yeah.
1: And I think Linda Hamilton, the way they show her in the trailer shows that she is the draw for this one, too.
0: Yeah, I hope it's good. I hope so.
1: Of course, we've already seen it, as we said earlier. Indeed.
0: Now, we've been talking about Linda Hamilton, who plays Sarah Connor. Originally, Deborah Winger was offered the role, but she turned it down. Circling back to a very far-gone favorite of ours, Daryl Hannah was offered the role and turned it down to appear in Splash. Mm. Okay, cool. Great. (laughs) What is What a weird difference. (laughs) What a weird weird career
1: change that would have been for Daryl Hannah. Yeah. Her whistle from Kill Bill just randomly came into my head the other day, and it's still very creepy.
0: What about her appearance in the film Splash, in which she plays a mermaid who meets Tom Hanks, and then turns up at Liberty Island naked and everyone freaks out. And then Tom Hanks has to rescue her and they want, oh, because they're at the police station. And then she stands in the store for a while and she learns English by watching TV. Which is pretty normal, but she learns it in about four hours. Yeah,
1: I don't like to think about that. And then
0: there's the, like, government guys who are hunting her down.
1: The only movie we both fell asleep during.
0: But different parts. <laughs>
1: but a different parts, so we were able to cover the whole thing.
0: Okay, it's also worth noting, while we've got Lindy Hamilton in here, that this movie involves two of James Cameron's five wives.
1: Five is so many
0: wives. It's so many wives. So after working on this movie, Cameron marries Gale Ann Hurd, his producer and, depending on who you ask, co-writer... They're married from 1985 to 1989. After that, Cameron has his marriage to Catherine Bigelow. And then they break up because Cameron starts dating Linda Hamilton in 1991 around the production of Terminator 2. Cameron and Hamilton have a kid in 93. They get married in 97. And in 1998, they announce their divorce because Cameron at that point has started dating Susie Amos from Titanic. My God. And Cameron and Susie Amis have been together ever since.
1: Definitely his longest. Yeah. How do you just keep track of that personal life?
0: I do not know.
1: I just, my God. Maybe just it's so like
0: much. in the sound of music, you just have different whistles that you associate with the people in your life.
1: That makes sense. Uh, I think it's very interesting that he does seem to have a decent relationship with all of his exes. Yeah. So it seems that he's a better ex-husband than husband to... Most of them.
0: Or it's possible that he's just such a good husband he can't contain it.
1: Uh, sounds like there's something he can't contain. <laughs> His sex
0: drive. I mean, he's like Howard the Duck. You can just see it flapping out there. <laughs> oh god, that's disgusting and so inappropriate on a movie set. <laughs> All right, so should we dig in a little bit to The Terminator? I feel like we don't have to explain too much what it is. There's a killer robot. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He wants to kill Sarah Connor.
1: Arnold Schwarzenegger, whose dong we see. We do. We see.
0: Speaking of flapping out there.
1: Yeah, I was shocked.
0: I was really surprised. So we were watching it on the Blu-ray, so we're seeing it in high def.
1: I mean, it makes sense. I knew
0: we saw butts in this movie.
1: It makes sense that he is comfortable with nudity. I mean, he had posed
0: nude in magazines.
1: So it wasn't really that much of a shock. But it was still...
0: I thought of this as a movie that was R for violence and language. And, like, if you want to fight about butts, fine.
1: Yeah. Butts. But, yeah, when
0: he's walking towards those punks, you can you can see some flapping in the breeze.
1: Yeah. Which I was like, what? When that happened, too. This is
0: two weeks in a row for us with Hereditary.
1: Oh, yeah. So many unfunny unsexy
0: dongs. yeah like they're not being played for comedy but they're also not sex scenes
1: yeah and it's not even like this one is supposed to be attractive either it's just there should we like reframe our show
0: at this point
1: i mean it's not something i'm uninterested in i haven't seen Step
0: Brothers. are we gonna get any of that there that would be comedic if we did
1: i don't think so alas no i because meet medi- what, it
0: what else do we have coming up forgetting- it's a wonderful life
1: <laughs> oh my god imagine forgetting sarah marshall is the thing that like really oh that's the big one changes it and that was post most of those adam mckay ones
0: well anyway anyway the terminator <laughs> to
1: move on from dong talk
0: i don't have a song for that dong talk woo
1: uh, <laughs> was that the ducktales theme it was okay <laughs> um you could cut that part out i will not <laughs> i think you should i will not <laughs> Anyway, every week we break down the romance of the movie into five points to judge the believability of the romance and to get a deeper understanding of what happens. And this romance is... A, let's just start it, because there's a lot to say.
0: I want to be clear, this movie rules.
1: This movie is great. Again, our believability and the likability of the
0: movie are uncorrelated. So, at the start of the movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, playing the T-800, travels back in time. Sometime after this, Kyle Reese, played by Michael Bean. Also travels back in time. And so, point number one is our meet cute.
1: Come with me if you want to live.
0: So, Kyle Reese is stalking Sarah Connor through the night, specifically to Technoir, the coolest club in town.
1: And this is after she's heard on the news that someone is systematically killing people named Sarah Connor, and she is the next in this phone book.
0: Which is such a good hook for a killer. Like, I'm almost bummed that it's in this movie, so we can't have just a movie about the phone book killer. I know.
1: I mean, this movie does it well. so oh, it's absolutely. So like we don't have it. It is just not a focus yeah. after the first, like, 20 minutes. It's
0: such a cool hook, though. It is. Especially because at this point, we don't really know that Arnold is a robot from the future. We just know he's this weird thing.
1: Yeah, we don't really know why he's hunting Sarah Connors, either.
0: Until our meet-cute. Exactly. At technoir which I love the police like captain or whatever is like, Oh, Technoir, of course. I'm the- I know exactly what club you're talking about.
1: I mean I think it's supposed to be an implication that it's a little shady and has been known to have the police visit.
0: Or it's very cool.
1: Or it's so fun, even old murder cops go.
0: Yeah, gotta get your uh get your groove on at Technoir. Anyway, so Reese stalks her through there, which is good because Arnold shows up and starts shooting the place up, and Reese is able to shoot back and help Sarah escape. they're on the run
1: he shoots the guy multiple times but he still is unfazed by the shots and i feel like this is the first we see of him being a robot in a way
0: yeah because we see that being shot has basically no effect on him right we had previously seen him be incredibly incredibly strong when he fights the punks
1: right he does rip a man's heart out of his chest yes but i feel like going into this movie you don't really know that he's a ro- I mean, it's hard to imagine now n- not knowing that Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a robot.
0: But if you go in cold, we're not told that.
1: Exactly. And this is the first clue of something weird's going on with so, this
0: guy. They're on the run. They steal a car. And in the car, Kyle Reese tells Sarah Connor about her important future, that he is from 2029, and that Arnold Schwarzenegger has come to kill her because her son- John Connor becomes the leader of the human resistance to the machines that want to destroy all of humanity. The
1: machines came online and tried to wipe everyone out starting in 1999. It is almost completely lost before John Connor shows up.
0: And John Connor had been trained by his mother to survive and fight back.
1: Again, full circle logic.
0: Right. I love the idea of the machines being like, the way to solve problems are to destroy all the humans. I mean. It reminded me of this Can you classic...
1: you argue against it at this point?
0: It reminded me of this classic X-Men comic from the 60s where... I don't know if you know this. In the X-Men, there are these big purple robots called Sentinels. Okay. And Sentinels are programmed to hunt and destroy all mutants, which is what the X-Men are. Yes. And there's a comic where the leader of the X-Men, Cyclops, is trying to get the mutants to stop fighting them. So he's like, you know, the thing that sustains mutant life is the sun. So if you want to destroy all mutants... The most efficient way to do it is to destroy the sun, and so all the sentinels fly into the sun, trying to fight it. That's the dumbest ending I've ever heard. Comics in the 60s are amazing.
1: I can't believe they actually made that be the happy ending.
0: I mean, more sentinels are built later. But don't do that.
1: I figure, but still, the fact that that works at
0: all is horrible. You gotta build good processing into your robots, or they'll just believe what rando teens tell you.
1: If a teen convinces you to throw yourself into the sun, you need to take a hard look at yourself.
0: I thought you were going to say at your life, and I was going to be like, they're
1: not alive,
0: they're robots. Anyway. (laughs) So Sarah Connor is being hunted by the T-800 because her son will be the leader of the humans. So they're running along, they get into some fights, they're being chased by the cops.
1: The cops, for some reason, hate Kyle Reese.
0: Well, they are... Basically engaging in hit and runs at this point.
1: No, but right at the beginning, he arrives, is talking in an alley, the cops try to arrest him, and then he runs away, and every cop in LA is now hunting this man. He
0: stole the bum's pants. The holy
1: crime seems to be that he took a man experiencing homelessness's pants, which is very rude. Yeah. Let's take him down! The guy seemed to be wearing other pants underneath. I don't know about that. (laughs) He was definitely wearing something. The homeless guy wasn't naked from the waist down after. That might have just been a sock. Like a very long sock. (laughs) Anyway, Kyle Reese, most wanted man in LA for stealing pants. You can't steal pants! And then committing multiple hit and runs, and it looks like he tries to kill the Terminator, which he does, but, you know, that's bad in the eyes of cop.
0: So they wind up... At the police station, Reese is arrested, Sarah is being helped because they're like, oh, you're the woman that we've been looking for, like, we want to make sure you're okay.
1: They're guessing Reese is the one killing Sarah Connors.
0: Right, they're like, the stuff he is saying is insane, but- He's so open about it. Stay here and we'll make sure that you stay safe. Unfortunately, Spoiler alert. The T-800 <laughs> shows know. up. And this is where we get our I'll be back. He drives a car into the police station, starts shooting it up, shoots a bunch of cops, shoots Lance Henriksen, the original Terminator.
1: Kills everyone in the building
0: except for... Sarah, because Reese bursts out of detention and gets her out of there. Right. Which takes us to point number two. They're on the run. But there was one man. He turned it around. He brought us back from the brink. His name is Connor. John Connor, your son, Sarah, your unborn son. It's their first night together.
1: They're sleeping under a bridge.
0: And Sarah is doing a, like, battlefield medic routine because she notices Reese is bleeding. They've got a first aid kit from the car they stole. She's treating his wounds, and Reese is like, that's a very good field dressing, which is his way of flirting.
1: Exactly. And he tells her more about his experiences, how he got
0: to the past.
1: Yeah, the mission,
0: he talks about how great John is, how John always talked about how great Sarah was. You do get some shots of how terrible the future was at this
1: point. Lots of skulls. More skulls, more sad children sitting around a fire inside a hollowed out TV.
0: That is such a good visual. It is. Where you see people sitting in front of a TV in a glow and you're like, what could they possibly be watching in this dark future? And it's just, it's been punched in and there's a fire inside it.
1: I guess it's to keep the fire from blowing out.
0: Yeah. We also get to see the like real purpose of the Terminators because they're not supposed to be time travel things. They're supposed to be machines for infiltrating human camps and taking them out from inside. And we see one of them arrive in John Connor's base, which is cool.
1: It is. It's a cool scene and very
0: sad. So So anyway, children killed. (laughs) Speaking of sad, Kyle Reese is kind of sad as he talks about his life. And Sarah's like, wow, it sounds pretty intense. And he's like, yeah, it does but you're amazing.
1: And he shows her the picture at this point, right?
0: Yes, he shows her the picture that John had showed. She's like, how did you know what I would look like? And he's like, well, your son showed me this picture of you that's very beautiful. I think you look very beautiful in this picture. I've looked at this picture a lot. Many times. Late
1: at night. When I'm by myself.
0: All alone. Just me and your picture. That is the vibe you get. Oh, yeah, 100%. And you're like, John, maybe you should should get your picture back. <laughs> yeah.
1: Sarah, maybe you want to hold on to that one.
0: Then the next day, they are like going around. They're working to stockpile supplies. They check in at a motel. And they're going to start building grenades, basically.
1: Yeah, as uh, Sarah is dumb and tells her mom, who turns out to be the Terminator, where she is.
0: Yeah, so the Terminator has now access to a bunch of different addresses associated with Sarah. So once she goes on the run, it's checking them out. It checks out the cabin that her mom has in the mountains. And so when Sarah calls her mom to be like, I'm not going to go see you right now. I need to stay on the run. But like, here's the number where I am. The Terminator is there using her mom's voice, which is great. It's like the step before that in Terminator 2, the T-1000 can take on people's appearance as well.
1: Creepy liquid metal guy.
0: So cool! So, point number three is that night, their night in the motel. I memorized every line. Every curve. I came across time for you, Sarah. I love you. And they're talking some more about life in the future and Sarah's like what's your love life like Kyle and he's like i've never been with a woman yeah i want it to be really clear in no capacity there are women like in my freedom force we see them fighting but we're never together he's so weird yeah you get the sense that like his whole life is just like being obsessed with the mission like he is his own like laser focused weirdo
1: exactly he is almost robotic it is focus on the mission
0: but now that he's in the past, he's in a spot where the only thing he can do is sit around and wait for the next thing to happen. Like, they're building these grenades, but they're waiting for the Terminator to show up because right. they have no idea how to find it. So with that time then, he's like, well, you know, I uh, I have never been with a woman, but I always thought you were very attractive in that one photo.
1: He says he fell in love with her through the photo. Yeah. He uses the word love. Indeed. Is describing himself masturbating to her picture. I mean, probably.
0: So then Sarah Connor is like, sounds like you've had a very hard life. I can't believe you've never been with a woman. And he's like, I have never been with a woman. I want to make this very clear. And she's like, well, you know, you're a nice guy and I feel kind of bad for you. It's clear there is like pity involved in this. (laughs) Yeah. Very clear. Like You're a nice guy. I feel kind of bad for you. Why don't we have an 80s sex scene?
1: It is one of the most 80s sex scenes. It's
0: glorious. There's like blue lighting
1: There's blue lighting. There's clutching hands.
0: It's mostly just like kneading breasts and tensely grasping hands.
1: But somehow at the same time. At the same time.
0: Which is how we learn, Kyle Reese has a secret third hand.
1: And the way they show that they're done is they clasp hands tighter and then let go.
0: Yeah, that's an orgasm. The release. There's it also is- another good sex scene when Ginger has sex with her boyfriend. And she's got her headphones in, so she's bopping out. Just having a great time. And they bone. And then she makes a sandwich. Yeah. And that, I mean, That was excellent. A-, a much
1: more realistic sex scene.
0: Yeah, but then they both get killed.
1: Yeah. I was so sad when Ginger died.
0: Yeah, Ginger rules. Ginger is the best roommate. Do you think, of all the people in that house, do you think Pugsley survives? I hope so. He seems awesome.
1: Imagine having a iguana imagine moving in with a person they're just like hello this is my iguana who repeatedly gets out of his cage
0: he's like a nice small iguana though he is one time in 2016 i was doing canvassing like before the election knocking on doors reminding people to go vote and i got up to this place where they had a screened in porch and like a huge section of it had this enormous cage with an iguana like the size of this table in it and i was like i am not walking up to that door my god. I love the way the iguana opens its mouth.
1: Is that a real iguana? Is yeah, that what they do? That's an iguana. They just go, wah.
0: Ah, iguanas are great. So anyway, they have sex. And
1: then the guy shows up.
0: So that takes us to point number four.
1: They have sex, so they must die.
0: It's a horror movie.
1: Yep. On your feet, soldier! On your
0: feet. So we have our final chase. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the T-800, is chasing them. It's on a motorcycle. Reese is trying to save her. That's his mission for the future. It's also his mission for love, to save Sarah Connor. Reese is throwing grenades back, trying to stop the Terminator. He tells her to run away. He manages to shove one into the truck that the Terminator is in to blow it up. And then he survives. And then Kyle survives the explosion. And he and Sarah meet each other and embrace in the flames.
1: And it's like, oh, it's over. And then you pause it and you're like, oh no, there's a lot of movie left.
0: And the Terminator emerges and it's like, nope, Kyle, you're dead. And they go into the factory and Kyle tells her to run while he fends off the Terminator. And then, It doesn't go so hot.
1: Again, the Terminator now lacking all skin and also legs.
0: Yeah, it's just this creepy robot shambling thing. At this point, it doesn't have legs anymore, so it's purely James Cameron's nightmare, this robot pulling itself towards you across the floor.
1: But she has also broken her legs, so she has to pull herself across the floor, too.
0: Worth noting, Linda Hamilton sprained her ankle, like, right before shooting on this movie. Oh, no. So they moved all of her running scenes, which is a lot of scenes, Yes. to the end of production. Which is a huge pain, too, because it means you can't organize your shooting by location. You've got to go back to all the places.
1: Yeah, that's frustrating.
0: But you also imagine, like, when it's a scene where it's like, oh, she's hurt. You're like, no, she's probably really hurting right now. Yeah. So she pulls herself along the
1: ground, and then she is the one to actually kill the Terminator by tricking him into following her through a big crusher. And and she crushes
0: it. She crushes him. But Reese is dead. dead. We see Reese in a body bag at the end of the movie. Cut two. point number five. In Mexico, she stops for gas.
1: I suppose I will tell you. I owe him that. Maybe it'll help if you know that in the few hours that we had together, we loved a lifetime's worth.
0: Sarah Connor has got a cool new hairdo and a bandana as a headband. And a little boy is like, yo, pay me $5 and I'll give you this polaroid I took of you and And Sarah Connor is like five dollars seems high for a polaroid four dollars and the boy is
1: just as happy as getting five
0: and she is
1: recording herself talking to John
0: oh and we can see we don't officially know that she's pregnant but she's wearing a dress that tells us she's pregnant
1: yeah she never throws up on screen so there's no way to know if a woman is pregnant in film without her vomiting
0: but she is wearing this like dress that until it shows the bottom half looks like overalls
1: right but then it's got a big old bump.
0: And she looks at the picture and it is the picture. I mean, she doesn't know that because she hasn't seen it.
1: Yeah, because it burns up before he travels to the past.
0: Yeah. But we know that it's the picture that one day Kyle Reese will stare at and fall in love with.
1: Stare at it a lot.
0: A lot. Late at night. Alone. By himself. <laughs> so- Hopefully.
1: <laughs> so well. <laughs> this movie, in which a time traveler and a woman he's
0: trapped... Hey. We don't get to make fun of the premise. Time travel is fair game.
1: No, but a time traveler meets a woman who he is
0: destined to protect for two days. They're together max like 60 hours.
1: That is very generous. Because there's the night they meet. They sleep twice. Yeah. The night they meet and the time they have sex.
0: They sleep twice, but it like gets tonight the third time, right?
1: I would say maximum 50 hours. Like, maybe four days. 48 hours.
0: All right, we're quibbling yeah. over this. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Not long.
1: Not long. Do you find Shorter it Shorter than West Side Story. Do you find it believable? Of
0: course not. No, this is one of our least believable movies. I honestly think the strongest case for it is that Linda Hamilton is clearly, like, banging Kyle Reese out of pity. Yeah. A little bit.
1: But then you get the line... Where she's talking, I don't even know if I should tell you who your father is. I'm gonna tell you. Oh, but she,
0: because she's like, because would that affect your decision to send him back?
1: Right. And she's like, all you need to know is that in the short time we had together, your father and I loved each other multiple lifetimes
0: worth. It's a line that feels kind of cheesy in the moment, but you can also see the straight line from this to like writing Titanic. It's so bad. (laughs) You don't
1: even need it. Because she could easily have just gotten knocked up by a guy who she had pity sex with, and it would be just the same.
0: But they loved each other a lifetime. Ugh. William? Yes?
1: Where would you rate this movie?
0: So every week we rate the romance of the movie we're talking about on a scale from 0 to 10, where 0 is the movie's romance is totally unbelievable, 10 is we believe everything that happened in the romantic plotline of the movie. So with a film like The Terminator, I would say probably like a 1?
1: I'm going to give it a
0: 1 as well. It gets some points because I think the pity thing is plausible. Yeah. And I believe that Kyle Reese, I might, I'm might. i talking myself into it too. I think Kyle Reese being infatuated with her from the future, definitely believable. And I think the pity thing is kind of believable.
1: Yeah, but then
0: it loses back that point for the last line. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going for a one. Okay. Do you think that Sarah Connor or Kyle Reese would be dateable? Kyle Reese, hard now. Absolutely not.
1: This is a man who has only gotten any sexual pleasure out of a Polaroid that is 40 years old.
0: Also, I've seen how he has sex and I am not interested.
1: (laughs) Sarah, she seems like a harried waitress. That very classic 80s movie type. Yeah,
0: her job is a bummer. Yeah, she has a terrible job. When that kid puts the scoop of ice cream in her apron, very annoying. Also like, kid, what are you doing? Eat your ice cream. I know. No kid would waste ice cream like that. Not like that.
1: But, you know, she's fun. She's got a social life. She gets canceled on by men. She has an iguana. She's a best friend. I think she's dateable.
0: I mean, Pugsley alone is convincing me. That's fair. He's great. I would date her to get at Pugsley, like like a trashy guy who, like, dates you to get closer to your friend. I would date Sarah Connor to get closer to Pugsley.
1: Hopefully in a platonic way.
0: Oh, I mean, we'll see how things develop.
1: (laughs) All right. Supposing Reese were to stay alive, do you think that Sarah and Reese would stay together?
0: I think he would never leave her.
1: I think that... Because she, he
0: knows nothing else I and has she, spent years being yeah. infatuated. I think she would need a restraining order at a certain point. I think she would break up with him. Yes. If you, if, if for okay. nothing else than to, like, get away from the horrible trauma she experienced that he would be a reminder of.
1: Yeah, exactly. If you did have to pick someone to date,
0: who would it be? I mean, Pugsley is the answer.
1: Excuse me, it's Ginger.
0: Okay, actually, you're right. It's Ginger, because Ginger is very cool. She never takes her headphones off. She makes sandwiches. And again, this is not like a gender thing, like I want a woman to make me a sandwich. I just really love sandwiches.
1: I think it is one of the film's best jokes that a woman is wearing her Walkman headphones while having sex. I
0: mean, that's her her character. Her character is that she's always listening to a Walkman.
1: It's incredible.
0: I think it's it's kind of fun.
1: It is. And it's kind of believable because this is conceivably the first era in history where you can do that. Right. This is brand new technology that you can listen to music. All the time. All the time, anywhere you go.
0: Speaking of music, many of the films that we have discussed on this podcast have been turned into stage musicals. My question for you, Mark, is should James Cameron's (laughs) The Terminator be made into a musical?
1: Yes. I fully believe that this would be an amazing musical.
0: And I would want... The music to be like the score of this movie, where it's this weird minimalist, but also kind of intense electronic sound.
1: You also need some 80s power ballads, though. Oh, of course. Like, the sex scene would have to stay the same sex-wise, but have them singing a cheesy love song from the 80s. Amazing. So... And you could use,
0: like, cool puppet technology to do the robot. Yes. I'm really into this.
1: Mr. Broadway, give me a call. It's I'd be Mr. happy to Way. write this. Rod is his
0: first name you dummy. No,
1: his first name is Great, his middle name is White, and his last name is Broadway.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's right, that's right.
1: Anyway, I think that about does it for The Terminator.
0: Yeah. Next week, as we said, we're taking a break from our spooky season to talk about something a bit lighter, 2008's Step Brothers, directed by Adam McKay, and starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. A
1: movie I loved at the time, very curious to revisit. Katherine Hahn is in it. Ooh, I have never seen it. Yes. I think the most important fact that is very encouraging to me is Catherine Hahn's there.
0: Catherine Hahn, who was once a character in a board game. The How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days board game. Oh, God,
1: I forgot about that. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love the Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com.
0: Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Reviews on iTunes especially help people to find the show. Apple Podcasts, I'm sorry.
1: Last question. What's the best piece of dating advice you got from the film The Terminator?
0: I mean, like, the actual answer is, like, seem really pitiful. Because that seems to work.
1: <laughs> Admit to cradling a woman's photograph that you've never met for your entire life.
0: This is terrible advice. Admit do not do this. will
1: fall in love with you. This
0: is predatory.
1: <laughs> this very predatory. <laughs> Until next time, I'm gay.
0: And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance.
1: Goodbye. Goodbye.